So here's this, uh, what we've been dealing with is, is these stories in the book of Acts and how the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus is, is being launched into our world. And so after this long ministry relationship, last week Peyton talked about something that's it's really kind of troubling, which is why I love the Bible. It just puts it all out there, doesn't it? The good, the bad, the ugly. And, and we see that he and Barnabas, they break up. Um, they, they still are going to be friends in the end. It doesn't seem like it, the way the text leaves it off. But they go their separate ways, and they continue on in the mission of Christ. Now, the, the things have changed a little bit in that we know that Paul has picked up Silas. Silas, we know, is a prophet, and he goes with him. And when Paul and Barnabas were originally going to go out in chapter 15, they were going to go on the uh, go back through the first missionary journey, and they were going to go visit these churches. But now things have changed. And so Paul is going to meet Silas in uh, a particular region of Syria, and it's here that he has already begin strengthening the churches in those particular areas. And the second missionary journey kind of takes off. And so our text really has to do with what's happening in Derby and Lystra and in going into these places. And it's here in our text that there's a new character that just emerges off of the pages of the scriptures. And so we see here in chapter 16, we're just going to read these first five verses, which is the whole text as far as Acts goes today. And it says, then he went on to Derby and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him. The battery may be dead. That's okay. Get that out of my ear anyway. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for them to observe. And notice this, so the churches were strengthening in the faith and were increased in number daily. Now, we're given this really interesting kind of resume, if you will, of Timothy. We find out that his mother is a Jewish believer. His father is a Greek and apparently not a believer. He had a good reputation already among the churches in those particular areas. And we see that when Paul shows up, he's uncircumcised. But when they leave, he's circumcised. It's like, well, that's just... A lot of crazy information, but it's all very important information, as we know Luke is, does this type of thing, because Timothy represents really the poster child of what was being found in these, these messianic synagogues uh, outside of Jerusalem, outside of the Holy Lands, as we often call it, into this place called the Diaspora, where they have been scattered abroad as Jews. He is also a great example of what had just happened in chapter 15. There is this council, and it's talking about those who are uncircumcised. These uncircumcised Gentiles, in that particular case, that they do not have to be 
circumcised in order to be a part of God's people. But we do know something about Timothy. He does have a believing mother. He has a believing grandmother. And they, they are Jewish and they also are followers of Christ. However, while Timothy seemed to really embrace the Jewish heritage, he had never been circumcised. And, and we've said this before, you know, this is just so far outside of our 21st century Western culture thinking, but this was a really big deal to, to those in that day and time and among the Jewish community and so forth. But evidently, even though he had these believing mother and grandmother, it's the father, who is a Greek, who had opposed his circumcision. He would not allow him to practice this Jewish rite. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, so what? I mean, haven't we already, you know, beat this dead horse, right? Remember Peter's uh, visions? And by the way, in 2 Timothy 3.15, it shows that he was brought up in the ways of the scriptures. But don't you remember Peter's dreams? That God gave him these visions? That he says, look, you know, don't call what I have made clean, unclean. And he's talking about the uncircumcised Gentiles. And the Spirit of God really brought forth God's great answer later on. And, and the Spirit of God coming in this amazing way, dwelling supernaturally even within these uncircumcised Gentile believers who had not even been baptized. I mean, this was, this was like, this was a big deal. And, and then even in in what happened in the Jerusalem council, the Holy Spirit was a part of that decision as well. And so it's like, well, why are we talking about this? And more importantly, why is Paul having him circumcised? Because one thing that we know about Paul is that he has always been this at the center of the circumcision debate. He was very adamant about these, these Gentile believers not being circumcised. And when we went through the book of Galatians, many of you remember when we took that on, and we see that Paul, he writes this letter, and he is dealing with these false teachers, and he's standing up to those who were saying that these Gentile believers who had been baptized, that they too have to be circumcised if they're going to be saved. So we see where Paul has fallen on all of these things. And what's really interesting, I don't know if you caught it here in what we just read in these first five verses but it says even after he has Timothy circumcised, they leave on their trip. He's going and he's delivering the message from the Jerusalem council of chapter 15. The big ruling was what? Those who were uncircumcised do not have to be circumcised as believers in Christ. So for Paul to have Timothy circumcised, there has to be a very good reason. And I will tell you, go ahead and tell you this, it had nothing to do with Timothy being saved. Timothy was already saved. But the text kind of gives us some clues as to what the deal was. Because in these missionary journeys, even though it's going to be in these areas away from Jerusalem, we know they're going to be dealing with many Jews. It also says that people knew that his father was a Greek. 
And so there, there was something about this. He didn't want him to be a stumbling block. And Paul lived by a very unique theme. And his theme was, listen, when I am with the Jews, I am, going to, I am just going to embrace all their heritage because I'm trying to win them to Jesus Christ. And he goes on, he says, when I'm with the Gentiles, he says, I'm going to embrace them and I'm going to be more like them in, in several different ways because I want to bring them to Christ. Do you see... Do you see what the goal is? It's about bringing people to Jesus. And we could go off here and we could talk about this, but that's not really where I want to go with what this text is dealing with. And then I know people are sometimes like, well, I don't understand why Timothy had to be circumcised. How is anybody going to really know? And I've often wondered that, but I've since learned that in the Greek culture, in the Greek culture, people went around naked a lot. They were not very modest people. And when you went to bathhouses and you went to their gymnasiums and things of that sort, it, was, it would not have been a, uh, an uncommon thing to find out if someone is actually a Gentile or an uncircumcised or circumcised person. Okay? So that's all we're going to say about that. Remember when I was in junior high, I asked my... Yes, junior high. I asked my, my Bible class teacher, you know, we're talking about, I said, what is circumcision? And he said, go ask your mother. <laughs> I don't know why he sent me to my mom, because my mom said, go ask your dad. But anyway, <clears throat> now we have Google. So having Timothy circumcised here, um, really it was about restoring his Jewish identity. And that was important. It was important to the people that they were going to as well. And one thing that Luke really points out, just, just continue reading through the book of Acts. Luke, he goes out of his way to show that Paul was not trying to destroy the Jewish heritage. That is not what he's doing. So enough of this preliminary breakdown of the text. What I really want to get to is Paul and Timothy. And I want to look at this relationship that they had towards one another. And I want you to see that, one, that Paul discipled. He mentored. He became a rabbi of sorts to Timothy. And this is so very important. And this really it goes along with what we've been talking about in this discipleship process. The second part of this. And he is already a believer in Jesus Christ. And he comes alongside of Timothy. And he has a lot of time with Timothy. Here's some things that you may be surprised about with Timothy. One is that Timothy accompanied Paul on two missionary journeys. They had a lot of time together. Paul, uh, Timothy also signed his name along with Paul in five New Testament books. Did you know that? We also know that Paul sent Timothy to be a spokesman, to go into Thessalonica and then into Corinth and then also into um, Ephesus. Also, Paul sent Timothy two personal letters, and those are only the ones that we know of. We're going to look at one of those a little bit later today. Also, Paul referred to Timothy, and I think this is so key. He refers to him as his true son in the faith. And that word son that's being used here, it means a genuine son. It means a legitimate son. And the, the Greek is describing, this is the word that they use to describe a, a, um, a husband and wife, and they have a baby together. 
That's the kind of son that's being, it is a term of adoration. And he's saying, I see Timothy as if, as if me and my wife, we have a child, and here, this is the son that we bore. I don't know about you, but there's a, there's a closeness that we find with our children than just anyone else. And it's telling us something here about discipleship and about the people that we're going to disciple. They need to be people that we see and look at as if they're our own son or daughter in the faith. And that doesn't mean you have to put them on your insurance plan. Doesn't mean you have to pay their way through college or they, they got to come and move in with you. And, and you know what? Some of those things you might actually do. This is much greater than these material things that we're talking about. And, and when we talk about our children, we say this over and over again. They need time and they need attention. They need to be nurtured in the way of God. They need to be taught about cultivating. And, listen, and when you listen to Paul's letter about the Holy Spirit there in chapter 5, it is a cultivation uh, metaphor that is being used. How do we cultivate this fruit? We, we show people. We teach them in the ways of God. And, and we show them these things. These are people that you share with your successes and your failures in your journey with Christ. And you also allow them to share their stresses and their difficulties of trying to be a light in this dark world. Now, Missy and I, and I'm going to take this jacket off. It's just hot. I told you Steve was just up here bragging a while ago. And Joe. Um, but as, as a, you know, a son myself, my dad and I, we talk, um, we talk, you know, like three times a week at least. Okay, my mom is usually in the background and she's correcting my father. Sometimes she grabs the phone and sometimes I just call her. Um, but we have this, this close relationship even after all these years. My three oldest children, all my boys, they now live in, one's going to school in Gainesville, one is going to school in Nashville, and another one is a minister in Fairfax, Virginia. But we talk to each other every week. We talk to each other on the phone, we text, we share things, we laugh, and we make sure that we find those times that we can be together. And Missy and I, if we ever know that they're, you know, one of our, our kids need us, we're there. Even if they need us, and the reason they need us is because they've created their own problem. You know what I mean? And what I've discovered, and those of you who have young children, listen, this is so wonderful. Uh, that I've discovered, and that is the older my kids get, the more they actually want my advice. Actually, more want they, they want that counsel. And sometimes Missy and I give them our advice. We give them our counsel. We give them, and we talk to them about hard things and about good things, but we, we do these things whether they want them or not. Whether they want to hear it or whether they don't want to hear it. And we can do that because... They're our children. And they love us, and they know we've got their best interests. 
even if they don't always take our advice. Now, if Missy and I started going around, whether in this church or whether we do it in the community and, you know, at the ballparks or wherever we find ourselves sometimes, and we just go around and start correcting children. Just go around and tell them, you listen, you need to be doing this instead of this. And we're not talking about godly principles. This, we're just talking about just telling them this is the way it should be. That's not going to fly over in the 21st century America. Sorry, it's just not. And even back in my day, in the late 70s and the 80s, uh, you know, you were to respect those who were older and you listened to them, even if you didn't agree with them. And usually you didn't like them saying it, but you had to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my dad, he used to, every, time, every year at school, he would go to the teachers and he would say, listen, you know, um, if you feel like you need to spank my son, if he needs a paddling, you just do it. You don't have to ask us anything. And it was the 70s and 80s. Somebody's getting whacked. He knew it was going to happen. So it might as well be me, right? But that, that's just, that's the way. But listen, that didn't mean I'm going to listen to them or certainly not or respect what they have to say to me because I don't know if they have my best interest. And unless they know me, they really don't know what my best interest is anyway. You know what I'm saying? To disciple others, we must build relationships with others. And you don't walk into a church and start telling people what they should or should not be doing. And expect them to listen. And you may be right. Okay, listen, let me say that again. You may be right, but if you have not built this relationship of someone who is like a son or daughter in the faith, Paul was thankful for Timothy. And he said, I pray for Timothy every day, night and day. Listen, if you can't get anything out of that for discipleship, you're not going to get anything. You know, it's easy to come in and tell people this is what you should. Let me ask you, have you been praying for them? Night and day, have you been praying for these people? And he also says, I look forward to seeing Timothy. He says, I find this joy that comes in, that comes along with it. And if you want to be discipled by another, and let me say this, if you want to be someone who is discipled by someone else, then you have to find someone that you consider a mother or father in the faith. It's very important. And that doesn't mean you just latch on to anything and everything. It means someone that you see and you say, you know what, I believe that these people are serious about Jesus. I believe they really want to know what that's all about. And it doesn't mean you, you're going to agree with everything they have to say to you, but it means that you build this relationship and you know that they have your best interest at heart. You can have those hard discussions with those folks and you walk away and you still love them and they love you and there's no question about it. Let's go back to Paul and Timothy for a second. Go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. This is one of the letters that Paul writes to Timothy. And it's really interesting um, because things are not going so well. <laughs> okay? Things are not going well. Paul, you know where he's writing this letter? Where is he writing it? Somebody tell me. 
Anybody? Prison, yes, he's in prison. The trials are not going well. He really believes that his time on earth is very limited at this particular point. And so he wants Timothy to come. He wants him there, no doubt, for comfort. But he also wants to pass on this mission plan by God. And he listened to the way he speaks to him as, as a parent does a child. So in 2 Timothy, we're going to start in um, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. How many, how many times have we parents reminded our kids of things? Remember that gift that God has given to you. Sounds very familiar to a parent. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. In other words, it's easy to be to feel like someone is ashamed because, you know, in our culture, we talked about this in, in class this morning with Joe and, and, and how we are perceived just because we are Christian. He says, listen, don't be ashamed of that. And he says, I know I'm in prison. And usually we, we look at that, we look kind of down on that, right? People who are in prison. And he says, don't you feel that way towards me because I'm here because of Jesus. And he goes on in verse 9 and he says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, I love that, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This is how, this, this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see this, he's saying, Jesus Christ is what, this is what this is all about. And this is what he's telling his son. Okay, keep going. Let's go to uh, verses 13 and 14. So Paul tells Timothy, he says, Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And he says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in you, that good thing entrusted to you. And, and, and again, what we're seeing with Paul is, listen, rely on the Spirit. He's putting all, rely on God. He's the one who's gifted you. Even though Paul is his mentor, is the one discipling him, he's pushing him to Jesus. He's pushing him to the Spirit of God who lives in them. This is, this is the key to these things. Okay, go to chapter 2. And he says, you therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, notice this, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is discipleship. He's saying, Paul, I mean, saying, Timothy, listen, you have been discipled by me, but I want to make sure that you continue to disciple others, but you are to commit to them who are also going to continue in this teaching, and they will commit it to others. You, you see this. So while, while Paul is Timothy's uh, uh, mentor of such, his father in the faith, he also is a father to someone else or in the faith as well. And it's just continuing this line 
But he still is reliant heavily upon going and, and talking with Paul about these things. But he now is strong enough that he continues this as well. You see how this, it just continues to work its way. Hmm. Let's go to verse 22. All right, he's going to, here he's giving him some, some fatherly advice. You can almost hear a father talking to his, his son or his daughter. And he says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they only breed quarrels. So Paul, uh, Timothy is young. Well, what kind of advice are you going to give to a, a young man in the faith? Well, what he tells Timothy here is he gives him these, these great warnings against sexual lust and impulsiveness and overconfidence and conflict and pride. He encourages Timothy, pursue the right things to grow in faith, to grow in love, to be a peacemaker. He's saying, listen, these are the kind of things that God wants you to be. This is what we see in Jesus. And this is, this is the way we go. Okay, so we, we continue on. Let's go to chapter 3 now in verse 1. But, but know this, difficult times will come in the last days. All right. This is such an important point, and you're like, what, what about the rest of it? Listen, Paul's telling Timothy, things are difficult. Things are difficult as, as a disciple of Jesus. And I love that because I don't know where we get this in our our Western culture, but we have this idea that if we are Christians, then, then bad things don't happen to us. We, we get into this idea that, you know, every day is just one happy moment right after the other, that, that, that you know, people like, uh, you know, Sandy Harrelson, we learned this morning, is, is now battling cancer after her husband just been dealing with this as well. And, and on top of Tom's mom, who they've been working with her and her age and, and all this. And, and, and there's all the, and it's like these, this couple, they love God so much, so tremendously. And that's just one example. That's just today's example, okay? And we get this idea that everything is going to be happy and free. Listen, if you become a disciple of Jesus, it doesn't mean your life is going to get easier. And in our culture today, right here in our world, if you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that's going to be looked down upon by a lot of folks. They're going to think you're following a fairy tale. They're going to think that it is a religion of hate. And bigotry and racism and all of these kinds of things. And you hear all of this stuff. And it's like, you don't know my Jesus. But listen, there's hard things. That's why we are put into a community of believers. That's why we need people to come alongside of us. To share with. To build us up. We need encouragement. But we also need to know times when, you know what? Things are going to get bad. It's like, well, that's a downer. Listen. 
This is what Paul is telling Timothy. And if we can't figure that out by now, we're just not going to get it. Listen, God sends rain on the just and the unjust. It doesn't say he just sends it upon one or the other. Every time it rains, it should be a reminder to you of what we're talking about here. All right, we got to keep going. Verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing those from whom you learned. Folks, if you want a definition of discipleship, this is it. Continue to remember those things, the things that you have learned. And then he goes on, he says, and that from childhood, here's what he's to continue to remember. From childhood, you have known the sacred scriptures. And he says, they're able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to that. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Listen, it's all profitable for teaching and rebuking and correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For some of you, discipleship has been a lifelong process. If you're like me, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised going to those Bible classes at a very early age and going to vacation Bible schools and Christian camp and hearing these fantastic accounts and scripture, these stories. And, and But what we learn or what we're supposed to learn is that those are not children's stories. Those are supposed to go deeper. This is one of the reasons that I, I'm doing this, the Bible pill um, blog that I'm doing because we got to peel back these layers. And by the way, when he says, Timothy... Remember the, the scriptures that you knew when you were young. Can someone tell me what scriptures it was? Oh, yeah, what we call the Old Testament, right? And he doesn't say because there's great stories for learning. He says it developed your faith in Jesus. It developed that faith of salvation. Wow. And he says it, it is there to, to continue to teach us, to correct us, to rebuke us, and all of these kinds of things. And here's what we need to get from this. When we start talking about discipling other people, we, God's word's got to be a part of this, a huge part of this. Now, it doesn't mean that, okay, listen, I'm going to disciple you. I want you to come to my house every week, and I'm going to give you a one-hour lecture on the Bible. It could be something that you share email. It could be a text. It could be a passage that you've heard, and it's like, wow, I've never seen it like this before. This is one of the, what I call, aha moments. It's one of the great things that having Peyton around. Man, Peyton and I, you know, through the week, we just come in each other's office, and we're like, there's something I just learned. I just never saw this before. And we share this, and, and it's just wonderful, <laughs> I love it. And we, we, we share these things. And, it, and it's, you know, I think it's good just to maybe take a Bible class or a, a, a book of the Bible and just sit down with it with someone and just read it. 
and, and ask each other questions. Or someone asks the other questions and, and try to help them through these things. That's one of the things that Peyton and I are working on for all of our new Christians and anyone else who wants to go through it. Really, where we're just going to take one of the Gospels and we're going to just read it and have them read it and just write out questions. Tell me what you see about God. Tell me what you see about your fellow man. And we talk about those things and we pray about those things. And those Listen, that's wonderful. But it could also be just teaching them some techniques about how to pray. Jesus' disciples said, can you teach us how to pray? What about learning to pray the Psalms? What about learning how to meditate? I mean, just, hey, here is a passage. Listen, here's how you just sit with this. Oh, there's a lot of things here. And these are just some of the ways that Paul discipled Timothy. And, and we see that discipleship, it begins even before for a lot of folks, maybe people that you are praying about and thinking about right now and trying to bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ. But even after that, we don't leave them there. We continue in this walk together. We continue in that walk. But you know what? You may even be here and, and you say, you know what, I've been a Christian for years, but I haven't moved past the pew I'm sitting in on a Sunday morning. That's about as far as I've gotten. But folks, it's, it's so much more than that. And you may say, I, I know it is. I, I need to be discipled. Listen, let us know how we can help. There may be people in this church right now. You don't have to come to me. There may be some people that are spiritually strong in this church. And you say, you know what? I would love for that person to be able to just take me on as a son or daughter in the faith. And if you're not real sure, listen, email me. Ask me. It may not be me. But we're going we're gonna to make sure people are, are hooked up so that they, we can continue this process of growing in our faith, in our love, in the Spirit of God, so that we, in turn, can become mothers and fathers to others. Folks, that's, that's what this is about. And if we can help you in that, if you're a person, you know what, I'm ready to come to the cross of Jesus. I'm just ready to bow down before this Lord of ours because he saves me. And let us talk to you. Let us go further. We had two baptisms last week. And, and two others just a few days before that. Because people are seeing these things and they're, they're opening their eyes. And they're seeing something greater than a preacher, greater than a church building. They're seeing Jesus. They're seeing him vividly as never before. If we can help you in that walk to the cross, we want to come beside you.